0: This is the Ultra Cycling Show on Over-The-Top Cycling in Boulder, Colorado. On Skype with us today, Stephen Burveling from Australia. Stephen, who has uh, been wanting to race Ram Solo the last couple of years, but for some reason, vehicles or other things keep getting in the way of his bicycle and, and putting this goal off. So Stephen, this year, uh, went out to do Race Across the West as preparation for Race Across America Solo in 2016. Stephen? How are you doing? Good day. Thank you very much. and I'm very glad to be here. It's always great chatting with you. Um, You know, a lot of us would look at you and see you just out on your bike and think, wow, Steven is amazing. He's he's out here at the starting line. Not good enough for you.
1: (laughs) I want to get to the finish line as
0: well.
1: I want to get to the finish line in Annapolis. Uh, but in the meantime, there have been, as you point out, some obstacles that have been in the way, uh, which um, have taken their toll. This year, it was great being at the start and also being at the, in the hall on the, the Monday beforehand. And I'm sure that I did look a little bit odd were rocking up with my walking stick going, this guy is actually going to race raw, but um, I was very happy to be there. Fortunately, my walking stick is there for walking rather than for cycling.
0: Now, you and I are going to chat some about raw, but what we really want to focus on is the riders' mental state and their mental goals going into an event, correct? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned an awful lot
1: during the race across the West this year. That, frankly, my mental coach has been trying to get into me and suddenly the light has gone on. And I'm very happy to, I can share that.
0: Now, you use a mental coach. You also have a cycling coach. The two, do they work together at all? Um, No, uh, other than that they
1: know of each other's existence and that collectively they push me upwards. Uh, um, The mental coach really keeps me going and you can imagine that this year, well let's just come back a little step that in October I was blown off my bicycle by a triple trailer in remote Western Australia which um, caused me to be in hospital for a month and off work for more than four months and also off my bike for quite some time. That was whilst I was training to do RAM solo in June 2015 which then didn't happen. When I got back on my bike and Marco, my physical coach, Marco Bala, um, gave me a program and I'm doing all this stuff and then I can recall in about April going to my mental coach, Paul Penner, here in Sydney and I said, And I do all this stuff and I do the things that Marco asks me to do and I continues to stick with the program and Paul said, Yeah, but there's a but, what's the but? And I said but it's also hard. And then Paul said, yeah. Just remind me of your goals again. And all I could respond was with was with duh. It's obvious that it's hard work to do the training because the goals are so high and you wouldn't do it if it was easy. Uh, and that that's the sort of thing that Paul and I talk about. He just slap pushes me and guides me in the right direction at times and in fact I'm seeing him next week and I'm really looking forward to confirming what happened as well but it's really great that um, having him and just having him as an
0: independent sounding board and a guide mentally as to where I'm going I'm very lucky. Now why is that important for you? You are someone who is very driven. You've come back from injury and some incredible uh, setbacks physically to just be the phenomenal athlete that you are. What is it about having that, that coach that, uh, that makes you that much better? I mean, you're an attorney, you're, you're on the ball. <laughs> uh,
1: because I think the strongest part is that he he's an independent third party sounding board with the experience and knowledge of how sports people operate. And often in our sessions, the, the crux of the point that we're talking about in the hour, it might be that he just raises his eyebrow and I go, yeah, I got it. Or it might be like, you know, the experience I just talked about was the "duh" statement. Uh, and often what can happen is that whilst I'm so driven, like so many of us, we have to be focused and driven to do what we're doing. We missed some of the bits. Um, For the sake of this discussion that we're having, I should indicate that for the first four sessions, Paul hammered into me, he really wanted to know why I want to do Ram Solo. And I would give him lots of reasons and for many of the reasons he would just yawn. And he'd go, yeah, now give me the reason why you want to do it, why you you want to do it, why do you want to do it, why do you want to do it? And eventually, I got crossed and gave him my own deep-seated personal reason. And he said, great, now we can move forward. And it was because we both had to articulate, well, I had to articulate within myself, the deep-seated reason why I would want to do Ram Solo. And I, I, I flagged that because that's what I want to talk about when I was doing Raw this year. Uh, it's the deep-seated stuff. Um, and, and I suppose as much as anything, if I can you know put this discussion backwards and start with the end bit, uh, my message that I want to explain to, during the course of this conversation is that I believe it's really important for us athletes to know exactly the deep-seated reasons why you're doing a particular race and that you have to be comfortable with that. Because if there is a nagging issue, it will come out, usually at an unfortunate moment. Now we can talk further.
0: (laughs) Well, and you're making me pause because I'm also feeling that I didn't really realize what your ultimate goals were for doing Race Across the West were this year. And so when I found out today, I was kind of like, ah, I'm glad I wasn't crewing for you. (laughs) My crew were fabulous. They were delightful and, and, and they did a great job. Uh, let's come back. We had a, we, it, the heat. They got me through the heat. They got me
1: through the mountains. We had all the hydration issues down pat. We had all the food issues down pat. Um, the fact that I managed to DNF and hop into a hospital meant that I got weighed. And it transpired that by the time that I was in Cortez, I had lost one pound of my weight during that whole race, uh, which I thought was just fantastic. Which, yep. says that the crew really looked after me, and I'm very, very grateful.
0: <laughs> uh, Jim Williams, you had a fantastic crew with you. That was yeah. now. How far did you get, Stephen? I got to a mile from Mexican Hat,
1: so I did time station Cayenta. Yep. I think that's eleven and I went all the way through Monument Valley and then you've got the end of Monument Valley where you've got that steep downhill yep. into Mexican Hat and it was about two thirds of the way down that downhill that I said, it's just not working because I, I, I couldn't see anymore and that was my problem. Yeah, um, You couldn't what, see? I, see, yeah, that's right. I, I managed to get an eye infection uh, and it, it, only in one eye, but it was, and it had been aggravating for about thirty hours, so about half of the race. And I'd been putting up with it, and we'd been putting some things, dealing with it. Um, but when it, when the crunch came, it just wasn't working anymore. Now, we could have dealt with it, but then when we look at what my objectives were for the race, you go how do we manage this in a particular way, right? um, Let me go back to my objectives, uh, and that is that I want to do RAM solo, which I could not do in June 2015 because of my accident with the triple trailer. I'd lost too much training time, so therefore Marco and I agreed, why don't you do RAW? And I want, to, and, and doing RAW, would satisfy three things one it would keep me within the race across america slash race across the west community see me at oceanside be there with all the buzz you know and that was great secondly it would enable me to see more of the race route or route as you guys call it um, and learn more about that and thirdly i could find out how my body and my brain would operate albeit for the first one third of the race across America, namely raw, um, especially given the accident that I'd had. Now what transpired during Raw was that it was fabulous being at Oceanside, with all the people really enjoyed that. So you know, that was a big part of why I wanted to be there and that was achieved. The second bit learning more about the route, that was achieved as well, and even though I have done the race across America as part of a four-man team three times, for whatever reason, I've never ridden up Yarnell Grade. My teammates managed to do that segment. for whatever reason. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, so here we are suddenly, Stephen. You've got to go up Yarnell Grade, and you, you, let's be—we all know that it's got a reputation. And I'm going. This is okay. I mean, I really enjoyed going up Yarnell Crane. It's not as bad as I thought it was. So that's a big plus to learn, isn't it? For when I do the race across America next year, that I know that I can go up Yarnell uh, without an issue, uh, and then do the Prescott, Mount Mingus, Jerome, Cottonwood, Oak Creek Canyon, go on to Flagstaff, and so forth. You know. But it was really just knowing and learning about that bit of the route, going, yeah, that's a really important bit. Uh, Or the other bit that I learned about the race route this year, um, we had never gone through Monument Valley during the day. We'd always been there in the middle of the night. And here I am going through Monument Valley during daytime, and I could actually see what people were talking about. About the importance of Monument Valley, because you know, living in Australia, it's not sort of the sort of thing that you just pop over for the weekend and go and have a look at Monument Valley. I'd never seen it, and even though I'd ridden through it at night, I'd never seen all those. Do you call them mesas, those, you know, yes. the mountain you think? Yep. yeah. Those, and it was gobsmacked material. It was just magical to to do that. So I was very, very lucky and I learned so much more about the route, doing it solo, than, you know, so so that was a goal that was being achieved. And the third goal about my body, the legs were doing fine, The, the upper body was doing fine and the brain was managing, so I'm going, hey, I'm doing all right. So that goal was achieved as well one that was the, I was having problems with, with the eyesight which then became this eye infection which then got worse and I couldn't see, I'm going, this is a problem and it had been going like I say for about 30 hours um, but it just got worse and worse and by the time that we got you know, down that hill at Mexican Hat, I'm going, I can't see the potholes anymore.
0: Given my history. that you know (laughs) sorry (laughs) not really (laughs) the last
1: thing that I need is another crash and having to put off RAM again you know so and and, and we're also looking at the logistics we're in Mexican hat there's a problem with my eyesight we got some medication in Cayenta which wasn't obviously working
2: the next step was a Primary care centre, something it. Yep. Um, a primary care centre, and the nearest one of that was in Cortez. We could get to Cortez and then,
1: but we wouldn't have been able to get back and continue the route, the race, to get to Durango within the cutoff time. Uh-huh. And I said, "That's fine. We'll just stop." And my crew go, "Huh?" And I'm going, well, I can't see, so there's not much choice. And they sort of went, oh, okay, this is a pretty serious discussion that we're having. And I'm going, I can't see. We can't do anything. We've got to go to the hospital. And much later, when I put all these bits together, I acknowledge that my saying, I can't see, therefore we've got to stop, and I recognize that's a DNF, which did not concern me, those statements happened because I didn't really want to have done the race across the West. It was a training race for me, and my goals for that training race had been achieved. Now, that's very, very different from a person who goes out with different goals for um, the race across the West. Like, say, for example, in 2014, Marco Barlow and Adam Bickett, they went to race. Uh, and, boy, did they race. They had a really great race. And it's a whole different ball game from the reason why I was at the start line for the race across the West. That's all as an example. Uh, and it means that their reasons... For being there and their deep seated reasons were so very, very different. Fundamentally, you know, um, I I should actually, before I get to the fundamental, there isn't a sign, there was a warning sign when I was at Oceanside. When I spoke with Gail Bothling, who was manning the, the where the t shirts were. You know, all the racers get a t shirt. And she said, We've got to check your size, Steve. I said, What for? Because you get a t shirt for doing Race Across the West. And within my brain, I do hope that I did not articulate this. I said, But I don't want to do it. And I didn't want the t shirts. Now, that's a big sign. Uh, and, it, and I mean, objectively, I was perfectly happy to do the race because it had. Re- I had reasons to do it. Subjectively, from my perspective, it was a- an alternative to me doing the race across the- America, which is what I really want to do and which I could not do in 2015. So putting it um, negatively... From my perspective, deep-seated, doing the race across the West was a second-best alternative. And that
0: second-best alternative emotion motion came out at Mexican Hat. It's fascinating. But Where, Now, I'm excited. putting my place in Jim Williams and your crew. I've given up all this time to get out there and help you make it to the finish line because as far as I'm concerned, that's your goal, and that's to finish and to do the best job you can at finishing race across the West. And then to find out that, whoa, wait a minute, he didn't really want to do this? And I, I'd, I'd be pretty devastated as your crew, Stephen.
1: Uh, I, I'm extremely lucky with my crew. And that's all I can say, because we did not have the discussion. And they did not, they, they did not get cross. They understood that the logic... Of he, it's a good idea that Stephen doesn't crash. He can't see, we need to get him to a hospital. So, there were, you know, the logistics were there and were reasonable for me to pull out. What I'm indicating in this discussion is that those logistics transpired to suit me fine because I had already achieved the goals and objectives that I had for the race, which did not include necessarily going to the finish line. Now, of course, when you're preparing for the race, you always do that with goals of going to the finish line. And I'm I'm talking about the distinction between all the practical goals and all the things that you do to get to that compared to the really deep-seated stuff what is it that you're actually doing, and why is it that you're doing this? Uh, and that gets back to my goals of the race across the West were pretty simple: uh, see how my body's going, learn more about the route, be part of the community. That was achieved. Uh, the finish line did not, it did not, um, was not part of that goal, which is fascinating. Uh, and. and but it was part of the goal, generally and logistically and practically.
0: But ultimately, the deep-seated one um, won. Now see, now you're making me wonder, why do people crew? What, no, what would be my crew. goal for getting you out to get you across the finish line? Or to would it be to help you have the best experience you could? Because... Uh, To have a crew person fighting with you when you're blind, you can't see, you don't want to crash again, obviously, Uh, you know, that's not good. No, it's not good. Um, And I I know full well that all of us would
1: have handled this entirely differently if it had occurred during the race across America because there my deep-seated goals are to get to Annapolis And that's part and parcel of my deep-seated goals. Uh, I mean, we we well know I want to be the first person with HIV to do RAM solo. In order to be that, I have to get to Annapolis. I know I want to do that. Uh, I've had a number of years of trying and I've had a number of accidents which have sort of put that goal a little bit further away. But, you know, that is so deep-seated that if if we were in the race across America and we were at Mexican Hat, we would have gone to Cortez, gone to the hospital there, and gone back onto the route. We would have managed that because the goals had not been achieved, the goals for the Race Across America would not have been achieved at Mexican Hat. They would could only be achieved in Annapolis. So it's a very different
0: way of looking at what your goals are. And do you think that each racer should be... Uh, really searching themselves for what their true goals are for being at the start. What every team and that certainly can pull a lot of relay teams apart.
1: And um, I think there are two points. One is why are you there, and how much flexibility have you got within your goal setting? Uh, I think there are two questions that you have to ask yourself. Uh, I did not ask the second question, I hasten to add this year. Uh, but the first one is yeah, why are you there? Why is it that you, let's take a team. Now, I've done Ram Sol, a RAM team four, three times, four man team, um, and each time you ask, why are you there? Uh, what is it that you want to achieve out of that team at, in that year? And it's interesting that in each of the three years, we had different objectives for the teams. Um, So it's worth working that one through. Um, For each individual member of the team as well. Uh, um, For a solo person, especially going across America, uh, um, you'd really want to know why you want to do this. And there can be all sorts of reasons. It doesn't matter what the reason is, so long as the racer is very comfortable with that reason. And that from the racer's perspective, if he can or she can say, I want to do Ram solo because X, Y, Z. And if within that racer's body and thought processes That X Y Z continues always to ring true. Hey, that's a good sign, isn't it? And if there isn't, if there's a nagging doubt about it, then go and explore that nagging doubt. It might be that you can cope with that nagging doubt. But if that nagging doubt is so hard, so so big, then you go. Well, what's your real point? Hmm?" And And it's just an exploration of why you're there. And I'm hoping that knowing for the racers to know why they individually are there will give them the incentive to keep going forward. Turning that around, I get great strength and I always have had great strength. I love the bit. It's, at, it's in Bicycle Dreams at one hour, three minutes and 48 seconds where Patrick Otisier's crew chief calls out to him and says, and remember why you're racing. And he was doing it as an HIV researcher. Uh, but those words were just so strong. And if each crew chief can say that to their racer when the racer is feeling let's call it down, uh, um, that would be an incentive. And that's why we're going. And you know, the same thing. Why do we all get up at three or four o'clock in the morning and start training before work? It's because XYZ. Uh, and it's the same it ultimately will be very similar to that goal. Uh, my goal is, as I say, to be the first HIV positive person to race across America. Hey, that means I've got to train. Why am I getting up at four o'clock? Because I want to be the first HIV positive person to race across America. And coming back in that conversation to what we're talking about with RAW, notice that RAW doesn't get a mention. And it's that point that I'm talking about. And it's a suggestion that we recognize that raw in my situation didn't get a mention,
2: whereas in Adam's situation last year, last year, hey, it got a big mention, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: and that was good, you know. And it's really important that those things happen. And, um, so, yeah, it, it, it's 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 that message. Know why you're there. Know what you're doing. Feel comfortable with that, so that. When you need to be flexible during the race, like I needed to be in Mexican hat, you can actually be flexible, which I was not, I freely admit it, in the race across the West, because the fundamental reasons for me being there did not include finishing, in contrast to if I did ran, were the fundamental
0: reasons. Well, Stephen Verveling, we look forward to seeing you in Annapolis next June. I'm working on that, so, and I'm planning on being there on the day
1: which happens to be my birthday. So um, that'll be a big incentive as well, doing sleeping things. <laughs> so, uh,
0: Fantastic. Always a pleasure visiting with you, Stephen. Thank you so much for checking in with us.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed the talk, George. We'll talk soon. Take
0: care. You've been listening to Ultra Cycling on Over the Top Cycling. Our guest today is Stephen Burbling. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook, Over the Top Cycling, Instagram, Over the Top Cycling. On Twitter, we are Over the Top Bike. Our website, overthetopradio.net. You can download us on iTunes or follow us on the ACAST app. From Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.